We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. Yo, what's good, Knicks Nation? Welcome back for another Game of the Week preview. Of course, we have to preview this matchup between the New York Knicks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And who better to join me is none other than my guy, Chris Fedor from Cleveland.com, covers the Cavaliers in detail. So make sure to go check out his work there. Make sure to support our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code KFTV to get up to a $100 match. Make sure to lock in because this is going to be a good one, everybody. All right, Chris, my man. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? Alex, I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm good, man. It's been a minute. You know, you you we we, we did some previews last year during the playoffs, and then, you know, once the Knicks start getting up on you guys, you, you decide <laughs> not to come back, and you start to leave me hanging, man. Since you all the invites, what happened, Chris? You uh, stopped inviting me. I, 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 don't oh, think there's, oh, 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 oh. I don't think there was any reason for you to talk Cavs once the Cavs got blown out of the first round of the playoffs against the Knicks, right? You were focused on other teams in the Eastern Conference, weren't you? Mm, yeah, we were focused on other teams in the in the Eastern <laughs> Conference after round one. But you know what? We, since we haven't spoken since then, I, I have to get your thoughts and opinions. What do you? What you? What was your thoughts about that matchup, man? Like, what did you take away from that first round matchup between the New York Knicks and the Cleveland Cavaliers last year? I think Alex had just exposed a lot of the flaws that the Cavs had throughout the course of the regular season that at times were masked. But even going into that series against the Knicks, there was an understanding that the roster was flawed, the roster was imbalanced, and there were some weaknesses that the Cavs had throughout. Bench scoring, defensive rebounding, um, a diverse offense that did not exist. Um, all of those things were, were certainly issues for the Cavs during the regular season, but they didn't show up as much. When you get into a seven-game series against an opponent that can take advantage of those things, that can exploit those things, that can unmask those things, I think that's what you saw. You also saw a lack of readiness top to bottom from this Cavs roster. And look, going back to last year, you know, Donovan Mitchell had playoff experience. Jared Allen had some playoff experience. Karis LeVert had some playoff experience. J.B. Bickerstaff had coached one playoff series as a head coach in his career. But – 
Evan Mobley didn't seem ready for what the playoffs required. Darius Garland didn't seem ready for what the playoffs required. And those were two of the more important pieces for the Cavs. And I think they learned a lot from that. I think it taught them a lot. And I think it informed their decision-making throughout the course of this offseason. For sure. And the Cavs made some uh, some major changes. Before we get into that, I need to know your thoughts about the Knicks this season, though. <laughs> what is it? What is what is what have you thought? I mean, the trade for OG Ananobi has definitely changed the shape of this team. Um, getting right. Alec Burks and now Boyan Bogdanovich has also been a big change for them. But the thing is, the Knicks haven't been healthy for the last, like, was it 10 some odd games at this point? So obviously, there's not a lot to take away from an unhealthy roster. But for what you saw after the trade with a healthy roster, what were your thoughts? It's interesting that you bring this up, Alex, because I think for the Cavs, um, there's an understanding throughout the course of this regular season from fans, from players, from coaches, from team executives, everybody inside the organization and even outside the organization, that for them, it is not about the regular season. They've already shown that they can be a successful regular season team. They won 51 games last year. They got the four seed in the Eastern Conference. They're a good team and everybody knows they're a good team. The question is just how good are they and can they be a 16 game team? Can they better match up against some of these opponents in the Eastern Conference in the playoffs? So that's their barometer. In saying all of that, because that's the way that it is, we have our eyes on what's going on in New York, right? We have our eyes on what's going on in Milwaukee and Philadelphia and Boston. And the conversation is, okay, how can the Cavs potentially match up against those teams in a seven-game series in the first round of the playoffs? How deep can they go in the playoffs if they get the right matchup. And when the Knicks made the trade for OG Ananobi, it was like, whew, sheesh. We're talking about a team that was already a bad matchup for the Cavs to begin with. We were talking about a team that looked like they were headed on collision course with the Cavs. And then for them to get OG and then turn around and make the trades for Alec Burks and Bogdanovich, um, it just seemed like the Knicks were... Um, loading up their roster for a potentially deep playoff run. And OG brings a different kind of element to them, right? He can knock down threes. He can also create a little bit off the bounce. And he's the kind of defensive menace that has given Donovan Mitchell trouble in the past. So you're looking at that matchup saying, oh man, that would be a tough one for the Cavs in the first round if they meet once again. Um, so I, I like what the Knicks did um, ahead of the trade deadline. I thought they made really, really smart moves to bolster their roster. They don't have a lot of roster weak points that really stand out to me. Um, but, but if they're not completely healthy or if they can't be healthy and effective at the same time, um, that's a whole different layer to this conversation. Because when fully healthy, I think the Knicks are um, as formidable as any opponent that the Cavs would see um, in the postseason. Not named Boston, of course, because Boston's on a tier by itself, and they've earned that. Yeah, Boston has just been tearing mm. up the league on a whole other level at this point. Um, but yeah, the thing for the Knicks, as you pointed out, is health at this point. You know, we have OG who just started on court activities, not due to do any physical contact yet. We're still waiting on the word of Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle. Hopefully, those guys come back. And then when you talk about Julius Randle, is he going to play with that same level of aggressive nature as he has this season being that bully ball guy in the paint? Because mm -hmm. when you separate your shoulder, man, you know, you're going to have second thoughts like, hey, do I want to go up for this layup? Do I really want to go, you know, hard in the paint right now? So it's going to be 
interesting to see how he, you know, attacks the game moving forward. So those are all questions that we have from a Knicks perspective. And Alex, everybody in Cleveland knows just how dominant of a force Mitchell Robinson can be. Mm -hmm. I mean, he looked like the second coming of Bill Russell against the Cavs in that first round playoff series. Evan Mobley had nothing for him. Jared Allen had nothing for him. Like he dominated that playoff series in a variety of ways, especially from a physical standpoint. So, you know, it, even though Isaiah Hartenstein has, has done an admirable job filling in for Mitchell Robinson, I think everybody understands how he has the ability in the playoffs, especially to take the Knicks to a different level, both defensively and on the glass. And Chris, that's why I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like when Mitchell Robinson and OG Ananobi are on the court at the same time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the Cavs made a lot of changes this offseason. You, you yeah. talked about, re well, outside of re-signing Karis LeVert, you got Max Struess to add another shooter to the to the starting rotation. You got Georges Niang, a solid backup uh, at the power forward position. And then just looking at how this team has just shape-shifted, especially going through adversity yourself, right? I mean, you didn't have Darius Garland or Evan Mobley for some time, so it was really the Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen show for a good period of time, and you guys were still rolling, still mm. clicking, just rolling, knocking down wins left and right. What has been your thought about this team so far this season and the adversity they've had to go through? I mean, given the fact that they have been without some of their most important players for extended stretches, for them to be second in the Eastern Conference, um, they're not going to catch Boston, but for them to be second in the Eastern Conference, holding off the likes of Milwaukee, star-studded Milwaukee with Giannis and Dame. I mean, it speaks to the depth of this organization. It speaks to the buy-in, the commitment level of these guys. It speaks to the togetherness on this roster. It speaks to the job that J.B. Bickerstaff has done as a head coach to keep them all together. Because you know this, Alex, when injuries hit, it can either galvanize you or it can break you. And the Cavs didn't allow it to break them. They came together and they found a new identity and they played their best basketball during a six-week stretch without Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. And now the belief is with both those guys back, once they find their basketball rhythm again, and once they understand just how they fit within the fabric of this new offensive style that is predicated on ball movement, body movement, um, passing, uh, three-point shots, floor spacing, um, a democratic approach as opposed to my turn, your turn, high pick and roll type stuff. Um, once they figure out where they fit in that fabric, then you feel like um, this team is just going to uh, be enhanced by their presence and their return. And it's going to give them different pathways to success on the offensive end of the floor as opposed to um, last year in the first round series against the Knicks, it was all high pick and roll stuff with either Darius or Donovan Mitchell. And they just didn't have a lot of movement around those guys because they didn't have the personnel to create that off ball movement. They couldn't put the ball in the hands of Evan Mobley and Jared Allen and say, run offense through those guys or go create something for yourself or others. Because the version of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley last year in the playoffs against the Knicks is not who they are today. They've evolved. They've gotten better. They've improved different aspects of their game because of that series against the Knicks. So I think where they're at right now is a really, really good place. And during um, this final stretch run, it's all about figuring out, okay, how can we blend the things that, that make Darius great and Evan great into what we established when both those guys were sidelined? And it's not going to be seamless. It hasn't been seamless. 
And J.P. Bickerstaff is still trying to figure out his rotations and how to get minutes for everybody that has earned those minutes and deserves those minutes. But you feel like if it comes together, and that's a big if, right? But if it comes together, you're talking about a team that is better equipped for a seven-game playoff series than they were last year. Absolutely. And I, and I guess my, my follow-up question to this, and since you brought up rotations, has there been any experimentation with, because we already know that you had Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen out there together. Mm-hmm. Is there any like staggering of both just Spida and Allen and then Mobley and Garland to have their own times to, to run the four together? That's exactly what J.B. Bickerstaff is doing. Seven-minute mark hits in the first quarter, and Darius Garland and Evan Mobley go to the bench at the same time for about four minutes, and then it becomes the three-minute mark of the first quarter, and then Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen go to the bench, and Darius Garland and Evan Mobley check back in, and they probably get like six to eight minutes in each half um, where those two pairings are the ones that the Cavs are relying on um, to do a lot of their their functioning on the offensive end of the floor. And JB obviously likes the pairing of Darius and Evan. He thinks there's a synergy there, a chemistry there. And Jared Allen and Donovan Mitchell together as a tandem has been one of the better ones in the entire NBA. And then it's about trying to fit the pieces around those guys. And um, it's something that I think the Cavs are going to continue in March and down this stretch run, in part because Evan Mobley's both the the starting power forward and the backup center right now is Tristan mm-hmm. Thompson's dealing still with this 25-game suspension. Um, so you have to have pockets throughout the course of the game where you split up um, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, and you have one of those guys play the five and surround them with four shooters, another thing that the Cavs didn't have the personnel to do in that series against the Knicks last year. Um, and, and Donovan Mitchell and, and Jared Allen, they can run pick and roll. They can run offense through Jarrett from time to time. Um, He's making better decisions as a passer. He's making better decisions in four-on-three situations. So I think the Cavs feel like they're finding the right pairings that they need. Now it's about, okay, which guys fit around those pairings the best. Salute to Knicks Nation. Thank you all for tuning in for another Game of the Week preview. We are previewing the New York Knicks. We're about to face the Cleveland Cavaliers tomorrow on ESPN. But with me today is none other than Chris Fedor. He covers the Cleveland Cavaliers and the NBA for Cleveland.com. And you can also catch him on The Plain Dealer. So make sure to check that out as well. Uh, and also make sure to support our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code KFTV to get up to a $100 match. So then, Chris, mm-hmm. you know, with the evolution of this team now, what's gone through this season, what's the heat check on J.B. Bickerstaff, because I'm sure that fans were probably upset with how last year ended. I'm not sure what the temperature is, where they want them fired or so forth. I'm sure you had some of the fan base saying, get this guy out of here. What happened over here? We're so dominant. We need, Things got to change. Heads need to roll. But as you, as you noted, Cavs are number two right now in the East. Yeah. They are clicking. They are rolling. So how is not only the fan base, but what's the organization's stance on Bickerstaff right now? Look, Alex, they're second in the Eastern Conference. J.B. Bickerstaff is top five in coach of the year. And there is a segment of fans that want him fired still, that don't believe in him, that don't believe that he handles his rotations properly. They don't believe that he makes the adjustments that are required 
They don't believe in his offense, his style. They don't believe that he is a good enough tactician for a seven-game series against some of these coaches that that the Cavs are going to oppose in the first round or the second round or if they're lucky enough to get to the conference finals. So there are legitimate questions from this fan base about just how good J.B. Bickerstaff is and, and whether he is a good enough tactician to take them to the next level. I've had multiple fans, Alex, bring up the comparison of Brett Brown in Philadelphia. Hey, man, thanks for Mm. getting us through the process. Thanks for putting the foundation in place. Thanks for laying the culture. Thanks for all of the things that you did to pull us from the ruins. But we need somebody else that's going to allow us to take the next step. And that right now is the perception of Cavs fans when it comes to J.B. Bickerstaff. The belief from Cavs fans is that they can do better than JB from an X's and O's standpoint, from a schematic standpoint, from a game-to-game adjustment standpoint, from an in-game adjustment standpoint, from an in-game management standpoint. <laughs> there are a lot of things that fans do not like about JB Bickerstaff at this point in time. And look, Alex, they got off to a slow start. Coming off the playoff loss against the Knicks where JB got outcoached and the team got outplayed, they got off to a slow start. They were four and six, and there were whispers around the NBA Is JB going to make it? I felt at one point this season that if the Cavs started to spiral a little bit and if they just hovered around 500 like they were, that JB was on the hot seat and they might have pushed the doomsday button. But they pulled themselves together. Uh, JB made the adjustments that he needed to make. He diversified the offense. Um, He altered the identity, made the the offense more dynamic, which is what the front office asked him to do this past offseason. And then the Cavs went on a roll. And I think in a way that that saved J.B. Bickerstaff um, and it saved the Cavs from having to go a direction that they ultimately probably didn't want to go. In saying Mm. all of that, Alex, everything with J.B., just like this team, is about what happens in the postseason. If they have another non-competitive first-round exit, I think there are going to be significant changes made within this organization. And you know this as well as anybody. The easiest change for any organization to make is with the coach because it's a player's league and it's harder to change your roster, especially when you believe in the roster that you constructed like the Cavs do. The easiest move to make if you want to, to have some kind of change is with the coach. And sometimes the coach is the right call. I mean, we've seen that in some situations where the coach is what you need to make the change, right? We can go to the Golden State Warriors. You see how they go from Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr. They get to that next level. Sometimes you can, you can even go to Toronto, right? You go mm-hmm. from Blaine Casey to Nick Nurse. And sometimes, and then you see Nick Nurse and he wins a championship. Regardless that the Warriors were, were injured, he still was able to bring home a championship to that Raptors fan base. So sometimes it is right, but then sometimes it's wrong, right? So right. it's interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what happens to the Cavs this postseason, how things transpire. But you talk about, you know, the success of needing to go through to the playoffs yet again, right? To get that true evaluation for J.B. Bickerstaff. At what point is this also, you know, how much is this tied to also Donovan Mitchell, right? Because you talk about his deal potentially ending soon. I mean, no matter who you talk to, there's still rumors mm-hmm. about the new Donovan Mitchell ending up in New York somehow, right? Mm-hmm. So how much is that front office thinking too that they have to do something in order to maintain Donovan Mitchell on this roster? 
Yeah, I don't know, Alex, that it's so much the front office that's doing that. Look, they want Donovan long term. There's no doubt about that. They want oh, to for sure. Build. I can I can only imagine. They, I mean, they traded for him. I'm saying I mean, like they gave up the everything end. that they gave up. They want to build this franchise around Donovan, and rightfully so. Um, but but I think it's more about Donovan having a belief in what's going on here with this organization. And I, I want to make something clear. Like I was in the locker room in Brooklyn around the time of the trade deadline. And I overheard Donovan talking about Alec Burks and Boyan Bogdanovich and how the Knicks were finally willing to trade Quentin Grimes for those two guys, even though they wouldn't trade Quentin Grimes for him. And he said loud enough for me to hear it. And he knew I was right there. He saw me multiple times. He looked basically right at me and said, everything happens for a reason. I'm happy as hell where I'm at. Everything that Donovan Mitchell has said and done since becoming a member of the Cavs has pointed to a guy who is all in. It's pointed to a guy who believes in the roster, believes in the direction of this team, and believes this is the place where he can ultimately compete for championships and maybe go further in the playoffs than he's ever gone in his entire career. In back-to-back seasons with the Cavs, he's put up career numbers. Last year, he was sixth in MVP voting. He was an Eastern Conference All-Star starter, an All-Star starter for the first time in his career, And this year, he's once again in the MVP conversation. He's got career highs in assists, rebounds, steals. He's a better defender than he's ever been. So Donovan has certainly held up his end of this, right? And there are reasons for him to believe in the direction of this team. And there are reasons for him to want to stay in Cleveland long term. In saying all of that, I think Donovan is looking at this situation and asking himself, Like, is this the one that I want to commit to long-term? I'm ready to compete for championships. I believe that I've gotten my game to that particular point. Is Darius Garland ready to do the same? Is Evan Mobley ready to do the same? Right? Is Isaac Okoro ready to do the same? Is J.B. Bickerstaff the right coach to help me get past the second round for the first time in my career? Is J.B. Bickerstaff the right tactician in a seven-game series against Joe Missoula, against Nick Nurse, against Tom Thibodeau, that is going to allow me to compete for championships. Because with Donovan Mitchell, yeah, I mean, maybe there is part of him that always wants to play in New York. And yeah, maybe there's part of him that believes he should be in a bigger market. He wants a bigger market because he's got a chance to one day be the face of the NBA when LeBron James is gone, when Kevin Durant is gone, and Steph Curry's gone, and everybody's looking for who the next American face of the NBA is going to be. Donovan would be in that conversation. Would it happen in Cleveland? Hard to say that, right? So there is part of Donovan, I think, that that is going to be pulled to other things other than basketball. But ultimately, he is about winning. He hates losing. And I think he wants to be in the best basketball situation that's going to allow him to compete for championships. And if the Cavs go on an extended postseason run coming up here, April, May, June, it would be hard for him to look around and say, well, you know, Los Angeles is going to be better for me. Right. Brooklyn's going to be better for me. The Knicks are going to be better for me. The Miami Heat are going to be better. So it's all about, I think, Donovan learning a lot about his younger teammates and their level of readiness in this upcoming postseason, and him asking himself, am I going to commit to this group? 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at virginia.org. And with that, all that said, Chris, and I agree with everything that you said, it's all on Donovan to make that decision, right? The front office definitely wants to keep him there. I, I totally agree with you. And the way I look at it is that, is this team ready? And do you think this team right. ready? Because that's that's the, that's the ultimate question. So do you think this team's ready to go that distance to say, hey, Donovan, this is why you should walk in? Like, have you seen the development from Darius Garland? Have you seen the development from Evan Mobley to go that playoff run? Or is it going to be based on, like, the matchup this year? Is, is it What type of team is this? Is this a matchup-based team? Or is this a team that, you know, I know you said the Celtics are in a tier on their own, but mm-hmm. there's, there's some teams that you could say it doesn't matter the matchup. Right. Celtics yep. obviously doesn't matter the matchup, but do you think the Cavs are like that where it doesn't matter the matchup and they will be successful this postseason? No, I think the wrong matchup, Alex, and they're bounced in the first round. Mm. I, I think that's the case for a lot of these teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, but the right matchup and the right side of the bracket could lead to a conference finals appearance. It, I think it's that kind of simple. While it's also that kind of complicated. Yeah. You know, right now they're the two seed and they're on the opposite side of the bracket as Boston. That's where you want to bleed. Like every team, including Milwaukee, you want to avoid playing Boston for as long as possible. Yes. It doesn't mean, <laughs> it doesn't mean that the Celtics are infallible, right? And it doesn't mean that they don't have their own. Uh, I mean, we've seen that team just yeah. flame right. out in the end. It's not, it's not, it's not right. uncommon. Yeah. Um, but. The way that they've played, they haven't lost two games in a row except for one time all season long, and they've enhanced their roster in a significant way with Drew Holiday, the ultimate winner, and Kristaps Porzingis, who allows them to play inside out. Um, It's just a different level Boston talent um, than what existed in the past. So as of right now, the Cavs would avoid potentially playing Boston until the conference finals. That's a good thing, right? As of right now, the Cavs are looking at a potential first-round matchup against Indiana, Chicago, Atlanta, Orlando. As long as it's not Miami in round one, you feel like the Cavs are probably going to be favored and they would have um, an advantage from a talent perspective, maybe an advantage from an experience perspective, and an advantage from just how diversified their offense is these days compared to last year that 
you know, maybe Indiana, Orlando, and, and some of these other teams would go through the growing pains that Cleveland went through last year in the playoffs. So the right favorable matchup for the Cavs and avoiding Boston until the conference finals, that could be a big deal. That could be the difference between, you know, significant changes in this organization and an extended playoff run. But but I do think that there are flaws within this roster that, that can be exposed by an opponent if they get the wrong one in the first round. And <laughs> nobody in this organization wants their reward for being the second seed in the Eastern Conference or the third seed in the Eastern Conference to be Philadelphia getting in beadback or Miami. Who wants to play those two teams in the first round of the playoffs? I mean, we saw what Miami did last year. Oh, Embiid is just, you know, that this is the thing, man, for most of the East at this point, outside of the Celtics and the Cavs, everybody else is dealing with like some sort of injury history or the teams are just way too young. Like you look at the Indiana Pacers, there's still right. much more they need to do, but they're still a young team. Uh, you look at the Orlando Magic, a very good, but very young team don't have the outside shooting to necessarily compete in a deep playoff run. But then you talk about teams that have been there before and done this dance, like the Knicks last season, the, the Heat, you got the yep. Cavs who have been in there, like, and they're more they're more ready teams than some of the others, and they're more diverse, as you talked about, offensively. So it'll be interesting, man. I'm looking forward to the Eastern Conference playoffs. It's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to that. But Every one out- of the teams in the Eastern Conference, Alex, has at least one flaw. Yeah. I'm right? So- there guess- is no Golden State Warriors of 2014 through 2018 lurking out there. Not at all. And even with the the, the way the Warriors are playing as of late, you're kind of like, I don't want to see that team in the play-in. Yeah. And, and maybe, like, even if you're a, uh, a young team like the Timberwolves and you had to see the the Warriors first round, right. that may be a problem. Yeah. But, hey, that's that's what's so much fun about the NBA, man. Especially right. when it's a long season, you get some injuries, guys start to come back, it changes everything. That's why I love the league, man. It's so much fun. But salute to Knicks Nation. Thank you all for tuning in for another Game of the Week preview. With me on the other side is my guy, Chris Fedor. He covers the Cavaliers and the NBA for Cleveland.com, also the playing dealer. And guess what, guys? We are we Today, our sponsor is Underdog Fantasy. Make sure to use that promo code KFTV to get up to a $100 match. This is such an easy app to use. I like making games much more interesting by going on the app putting some money down on the line, either doing pick'ems or drafts. Pick'ems, you got NFL, NBA, NHL, any sport possible. You can mix and match, choose any statistical category, think about if that player will go higher or lower. So for NBA purposes, will the team go higher or lower than points, rebounds, points, rebounds, and assists? It could be any combination of that, and it's just so easy to use. And if you want to make sure that you're protected, you don't have to do all five, lock it in, and say, I believe all of them will hit. Sometimes if you're like me and you're on a losing streak, you got to choose the insured route, get four out of five and still get some dough. That way you got still get some lunch money for the next day. The other thing you could do on underdog fantasy is do some drafts. And so guess who decided to defeat CP and JD this past week? Mm. None other than your guy, the Tratocaster over here. I got me a nice $27. So, you know, I had a nice lunch on Friday after work and that it was really good. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you, JD and CP for choosing teams that were Worse than mine, because I just, you know, had a star-studded cast of Devin Booker, SGA, Steph Curry, DeJounte Murray, Jalen Williams, and Kevin Durant to wipe the clocks. So, hey, guys, maybe next time. Maybe next time. So make sure to download Underdog Fantasy or go to the website. Use that promo code KFTV for a first-time deposit up to $100 match. All right, Chris, let's get back to the show, and let's get into this preview now. So. This Cavs team, 
we are, as we discussed in the first half, is on a roll, okay? Knicks dealing with some injuries, brutal to watch. Uh, but, hey, we still got to play these games, man, to get to the finish line and see what the playoffs look like. But even with all the injuries the Knicks have been going through, there's one area they are able to maintain – like just some sort of some high excellence, right? And that's second chance mm-hmm. opportunities and preventing their opponents of getting second chance opportunities. Funny enough, the Cleveland Cavaliers <laughs> are another good team in second chance opportunities. They're eight, the Knicks are two. And when you come to preventing opponents from getting second chance points, it is number two, the New York Knicks, and number six, the Cleveland Cavaliers. So when I'm looking at these key statistics, I think the paint, especially since we don't have Mitchell Robinson, we don't have Julius Randle, is going to be an interesting battle between the Cavs and the Knicks, what do you think about that? Yeah, Alex, there are certain teams around the NBA that um, give the Cavs' front court more problems than others, right? A level of physicality, a level of toughness, a level of bulk. Um, The Knicks bullied the Cavs' front line last year in the first-round playoff series. Everybody knows that. Julius Randle was more physically ready for the postseason. Same thing with Mitchell Robinson. Same thing with Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, Jared Allen worked on that this offseason. Evan Mobley worked on that this offseason. They came back. Um, they're more physical. They're stronger. They're more mature. But they can still, at times, get pushed around. The other night against Chicago, the Cavs gave up 74 rebounds. When's the last time you watched an NBA game and a team got 74 rebounds? By the way, the Cavs had 39 so it was plus 35 <laughs> for the Bulls, and it was 25 to 5 on the offensive glass. Andre Drummond finished with 26 rebounds in the game. So the bigger, stronger front lines, they have a tendency to still bother the Cavs. And it's going to be really, really interesting to me. You know, you never want to look at a game in March and say, okay, this is going to forecast how things go in April, mm-hmm. May, and June. But, but I think it's an interesting barometer for both Evan Mobley and Jared Allen to match up against the Knicks, even though they don't have Randall, even though they don't have Mitchell Robinson. Uh, the Knicks are still a very, very good rebounding team at multiple positions. Achua has been really, really good on the glass. Hartenstein gave the Cavs problems. Josh Hart is probably still grabbing offensive rebounds from the series against the Cavs. So I do think it's going to be a fascinating matchup, and I think the Cavs, um, are going to learn a lot about themselves. And I think they're they're looking at this game as a barometer and a challenge, especially on the heels of, of what happened against Chicago, which was just completely embarrassing. Yeah, and I think what will be interesting for me is because I'm looking at Precious, Josh Hart, guys who've been excelling right now, rebounding category for the Knicks with all the injuries. Hartenstein has been back. He's been on a minutes restriction, but that's a guy who prior to his Achilles injury, and it seems like it's Achilles tendonitis, something's aggravating him. Uh, he was on a good rebounding tear as well. So oh, yeah. I know if he's if he's available, I'm wondering how impactful he's going to be, if he's going to be able to add to any of that. So I'm looking forward to seeing how Jared Allen, Isaiah Hartenstein are able to match up. But my concern is more so if Hartenstein's not good, I, I do like Jericho Sims. I, he's mm-hmm. still a little bit, there's still more development that he needs in this process. You can still see the youth and the inexperience whenever he's on the court, uh, strong, big, but there's, I think for him, it will come down to like the veteran savviness of Jared Allen when he goes up against him. If Hartenstein's not 
healthy enough to go. So I want to see where this battle goes because this could be one that's even if Hartenstein's not fully ready to battle in the paint all night. Um, another category I'm looking at is that the Cavs are a top 10 team when it comes to points off turnovers. You know, once they get the ball, they, they rip it, whatever it may be. They get out, transition, they can score. Even when they got to slow it down, they're able to figure it out and score. And for the Knicks, that's another strength of their team. They're able to prevent opponents from getting set up and, and scoring. So I want to see, this is just kind of going to be where rubber meets the road to me. Like, we're, who's going to be able to overpower each other for their strengths? And so what do you think about that matchup? Alex, the Cavs are a team that, that needs to hunt. Um easy opportunities and they need to try and um, create some offense before a defense can get set because their offense still at times has a tendency to bog down. Um, the ball at times can get a little bit sticky. Darius Garland can get a little bit dribble happy. The Cavs um, can, can try and run some of their actions away from the ball and those can get taken away from the opponent and they look at the shot clock and all of a sudden, there's like eight or six seconds on the clock and they're like, okay, now what do we do here to create some offense? So this is a team that has been searching for easier opportunities. This is a team that likes to get out on the break and, and take advantage of some of the speed, youth, athleticism that they have. Isaac Coro is a menace in transition. He can finish with either hand. He's got a great Euro step. He's powering through guys. He's been an elite finisher in transition for the Cavs this year. Donovan can get out on the break. Max Struess can get out on the break. So I do think it is important for the Cavs to not spend a majority of their night trying to execute um, in a half-court setting against mm -hmm. a Knicks defense that can be problematic for the Cavs based on certain matchups. And so for the Knicks, like, this is where they're straight like, – because I know they're going to try to get – as you mentioned, the Cavs are going to try to get out and transition score. Mm -hmm. Having guys like Josh Hart, Dante DiVincenzo, guys who are – Constantly ready to hustle back. Even Precious, man, he gets back on on defense and makes sure to stop anything in transition. Guys like Miles McBride as well. Uh, I expect them to get out there and try to limit that and force the Cavs again into their half court. I think where it's going to get a little sour is when the Knicks have to start executing the half court and yeah. without the the talent that they have, like a Julius Randle or OG. That's where things are going to start being a little murky. And maybe even for the Cavs, like the way that it's been going so far is that guys have to play more minutes than anticipated because of these injuries. So. I think even for the Cavs, they're going to have some sort of chance to get a lot of success in the half court just because yep. of just sheer exhaustion as the game wears on. But and that's where it starts for the Cavs. That's mm -hmm. where their transition attack starts for the Cavs, Alex, is on the defensive end of the floor. Mm -hmm. Donovan Mitchell is top five in the NBA in steals, deflections, loose balls yep. recovered. Isaac Okoro can be a menace in the half court defensively. He can get his hands on a lot of loose balls. He can disrupt passing lanes. Evan Mobley contests a bunch of shots. He can pick up steals. Karis LeVert is an active, pesky defender. Max Struess has been more bothersome for opponents on the defensive end of the floor than I think his reputation um, said he would have been leaving Miami. So, so that's where everything starts um, in terms of the transition game for the Cavs. It's just the level of activity, possession of possession, that they seemingly bring every single night uh, on the defensive end of the floor. Absolutely. I want to give a shout out to the franchise channel members in all of Nick's Nation in the chat right now. Shout out to My Two Cents. Shout out to The Shells. Shout out to Optimus uh, 2G says, great guest. Props to Chris Fedor. Uh, we also got Iris Cox. Shout out for the $10 Super Chat. Salute to all you. Shout out to Gamba the Bard. Shout out to everybody tuning in right now for this Knicks and Cavs Game of the Week preview. All right. 
moving along. This is the matchup, though. All right, we got all we could talk about all the matchups, X's and O's, and all this stuff, Chris. But there's the only lead. one thing that matters to me. <laughs> there's only one thing that matters to me in this game, and that's the Brunson, the Brunson and Donovan Mitchell matchup. I mean, in the in the postseason right now, Brunson has just owned Donovan Mitchell. There's no question about that. Whether they were in the Western Conference, now the Eastern Conference, and look over the last ten games, there's the numbers right there for Brunson. You have thirty. He's been averaging thirty-two points, uh, three rebounds, seven assists shooting 47% from the field, 33%, which is down from what he was doing at the beginning of the season when everybody was healthy, and 88% from the free throw line. Donovan, you know, averaging 27 points, getting five rebounds per game, five assists per game, shooting 50% from the field, just crazy numbers. 46 from downtown over the last, these are over the last 10 games, people, Mm -hmm. and 89% from the free throw line. These guys, it's just, it's a star-studded matchup, man. I'm I'm looking forward to it. You know that the last time we did the preview last year before we got to the playoffs. Yeah. Look, we didn't have Julius Randle, but we got a show from both of them. Both those guys turned up and were just ready to put on a clinic. And I'm expecting the same thing tonight. I'm looking forward to this matchup, man. Both these guys are just all-stars, great talents to watch on a night-to-night basis. And look, Alex, you know this. There's a little bit of a rivalry budding between these two guys. Not only is... Donovan and, and, and Jalen Brunson battling for supremacy amongst guards in the Eastern Conference. But a couple of years ago, Brunson was with Dallas, Donovan Mitchell, Utah. Brunson outplayed him in that particular series. And that's one that still sticks with Donovan to this day. That was one that fueled him when he came to the Cavs. And when he went back to Dallas for the first time after that playoff series, he said it brought back memories of, of how Dallas just disrupted everything that Donovan wanted to do and the Utah Jazz wanted to do, and Jalen Brunson outplayed him. It wasn't just Luka Doncic, right? It's one thing to get outplayed by Luka, but it was Jalen Brunson. And then last year in the playoffs, Donovan has an opportunity again against Jalen Brunson, one of his rivals, and Brunson gets the better of him. And we talked about it going into that playoff series last year, Alex. One of the biggest keys for the Cavs was Donovan has to be the best player on the court in that series for the Cavs to consistently have a chance and to be competitive because of the lack of readiness from Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, and some of those other young guys. And Donovan Mitchell failed the superstar litmus test on the biggest stage. He was not up to his own standard. He got outplayed by Jalen Brunson. So this is something where, you know, this one's going to have Donovan's antenna raised. And I think it's going to have the rest of the Cavs as well, because earlier this season, there were unnamed Cavs players saying, Jalen Brunson this, Jalen Brunson that. All of the conversation Mm -hmm. is about Jalen Brunson and how much better he is than Donovan Mitchell. There were Cavs players in that locker room that were bothered by the kind of shine that Jalen Brunson was receiving and the lack of attention on somebody like Donovan Mitchell. So this could be a spicy matchup. Donovan didn't play the other night. Um, He's dealing with a little bit of knee soreness. He hasn't been the same since coming back from the All-Star break because he dealt with an illness in Indianapolis, and it carried over to when he came back to Cleveland. Um, But, you know, I would expect if Donovan is ready to go and his knee responds, I would expect him to be... Um, full-on Spider headed into this matchup, especially with it being national TV against somebody who's become his new rival. And look, I expect I expect Donovan to play. Um, there's a lot on the line for this game too. The this is the last game of the series matchup between the Knicks and the Cavs. You know they play each other three times this season. This will be the third time. 
it's split right now one and yep. one. And if you don't want to chance any opportunity of having to get tie breaks and stuff like that, this game is important. So not there's just a lot to this game right now. You talk about the match between Brunson and Donovan. You talk about the head-to-head series. Like, there's a lot that's going on. Uh, but let's get to the last topic and make sure to get you out of here, Chris. X factor for this game. For me, it's Boyan Bogdanovich, not Alec Burks, people. Okay. It's not <laughs> CP's guy, Alec Burks. That guy has not shown up since he's come to the New York Knicks. All right. Still shooting under 30%. I'm not going with that guy. Okay. <laughs> Who I am going with is Boyan Bogdanovich because as it's shown right now, he has been the go to guy for the second unit. And I think if the Knicks are going to have any chance with all these injuries that they're dealing with, it is Boyan because he has done some 20-point performances. You have seen a little bit of him being able to create his own shot. He is a wing, so he can shoot over some other players as well. Um, defensively, we know he's a sieve. He's not going to be able to guard anybody. Yeah. But offensively, you hope that he can get hot, stretch the floor, and especially if he's sharing minutes with Brunson, he can open up the spacing for him to attack as well. Boyan is my X factor. Chris, who is yours? There's a dirty little secret, Alex, about Boyan Bogdanovich. It's something that I learned around the time of the trade deadline because I kept asking a lot of my sources about the Cavs and whether they were interested in Boyan and if they had the kind of pieces to go out and get Boyan. Because on the surface... They can be terrified right now. I don't even know if I want to know yeah, the secret. Yeah, let's let's yeah. hear it. <laughs> on the surface, it seemed like he was a great fit for the Cavs, right? He could space the floor. He can play the three and the four. He could knock down playoff-type threes. And he played alongside Donovan in Utah. Never hurts to have that kind of relationship. Seven of the nine teams that he has been on throughout the course of his career have been a net negative with him. Just saying. Um, So my X factor, sorry to do that to you, Alex. That's... Hey That's man, look, I, I mean, I, I doesn't make, it doesn't, doesn't shock me. You know, I watched Tim Hardaway on this team, Tim Hardaway mm-hmm. Jr. to be exact. Mm-hmm. And look, Tim Hardaway would put up numbers left and right. You know, he'd be yep. like, oh wow, Tim Hardaway had 30 points. Who's he guarding? Right. Why is he at 40 points? Why is his opponent at 40 <laughs> points? So I get, I get the experience. The unfortunate yes. thing at that time is that Timmy was supposed to be the second best guy on the team. Right. Boyan's just supposed to be a bench player. So hopefully yeah. things change around. Boyan during those times, I think they were referencing, he was a starter. Let's hopefully things Stop because he's a bench player now. <laughs> Something to pay attention to, though, going into the playoffs and how much Tom Thibodeau is going to trust him and uh, lean on him compared to some of the other guys. Mm. Um, my X factor for the Cavs is Isaac Okoro. Mm. Like, if you go back to last year's playoff series, the Cavs, everything that they did defensively, um, number one, it backfired, but it was tied into Jalen Brunson because they just didn't believe in Isaac Okoro enough, um, both on defense and on the offensive end of the floor, because the Knicks were just ignoring Isaac. They were daring him to shoot. They were disrespecting him. It condensed the floor. They were playing boxes and elbows every time Donovan Mitchell drove or Darius Garland drove. It was into the crowd because whoever was guarding Isaac was just shading six to eight feet off of him and trying to make things miserable for Darius and Donovan. Isaac Okoro is shooting 40% from three-point range this year. Now, it is lower volume, and volume is what creates gravity and attention, not so much percentage. Mm-hmm. But teams can't leave Isaac the same way that they have in the past because he is more capable of burning them for that particular strategy. So number one, I think his evolution offensively can allow him to better hang in this kind of matchup. And 
he's their best option on Jalen Brunson. Unless the Cavs are going to go heavy blitz, heavy trap, the way that they did in the series against the Knicks. But the other side of that strategy, which is what the Cavs saw in the series against the Knicks in the playoffs, is that your bigs are out of position. And it's hard to get rebounds, defensive rebounds, when you're coming in from behind and you're behind Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein and Josh Hart. So because the Cavs took the strategy defensively of we're going to try and get the ball out of the hands of Jalen Brunson and we're going to commit two to him almost at all times, that led to all of those offensive rebounds, a majority of those offensive rebounds. That led to Jared Allen and Evan Mobley scrambling around trying to get back into position. So I would think, based on the way that Isaac has played defensively this year and teammates have been pumping him up for one of the two all-defensive teams, I would think that the Cavs are going to give, when they're on the court together, Isaac Okoro that matchup against Jalen Brunson and see if he can hold his own and make things tough enough for Jalen that they don't have to continuously send extra bodies and then they're in scramble situations, then they're giving up offensive rebounds. So the level of trust that the Cavs have in Isaac Okoro at both ends of the floor, Alex, is different than it was in the first round series against the Knicks. And I just want to see when they're on the court together how Isaac handles that particular matchup because he's guarding the best opposing perimeter ball handler. um, And he is doing as good of a job as an individual defender can do in those matchups nowadays with the way that the rules are set up. And and it'll be interesting to see how not having a healthy Knicks team changes that for Brunson and Mm -hmm. how difficult it is because you know, it's one thing to have Julius to roll on as like your second best scorer. Dante's been doing a a, a solid job as filling in for that role, but it, it's much different. It's it's a much different attention what Randall does, being able to track double, triple teams, mm-hmm. and the physicality he brings to the game. So tomorrow's going to be a good one, man. I, it's going to be a good game to watch. Um, Chris, appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on the show as always. Please let the listeners know where they can find you. If you got any upcoming work, we should be on the lookout for. You can check out all my stuff, the website, cleveland.com backslash Cavs. You can also follow my stuff on Twitter. It's just my name, Chris Fedor, at Chris Fedor, nice and easy, all combined into one. And I've got a few pieces that I'm working on. Um, They're not ready to be unveiled just yet, but Craig Porter Jr. has been an undrafted free agent revelation for the Cavs. So I've got the story of um, how they found him and how he went from undrafted free agent, a guy who was not on the draft radar at all to a two-way contract with the Cavs. And now he's got a standard contract with the team and he's viewed as potentially the backup point guard of the future. So I've got that. And then a story um, on Dean Wade and the impact that he has had for the Cavs. He continues to have for the Cavs. All of that is coming in the future as soon as I continue to get all the reporting done on those stories that I need to to bring them all together. So there you have it, everybody. Make sure to go follow Chris Fedor on Twitter. As it's right here on the show, you can go follow his at right there. He does phenomenal work. Go make sure to give him a follow. Does great work. Phenomenal job covering the team. Chris, thank you for your time. And to Knicks Nation, thank you all for tuning in again for another Game of the Week preview. I know we're all looking forward to the Knicks and Cavs matchup tomorrow. So make sure to tap in for tomorrow's post-game after we watch and see what happens. And then... 
Make sure to support our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code KFTV to get up to a $100 match free on your first deposit. Make sure to support our website, KnicksFanTV.com. And we'll catch you tomorrow, everybody. All right, we out.